When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Nir Bashan. He's the author of the book, The Creator Mindset, 92 Tools to Unlock the Secrets to Innovation, Growth, and sustainability. And in this book, he talks about bridging the gap between the brain's two hemispheres, the logic-driven left and the creative inclined right so that you can find solutions to problems by using both hemispheres. Hence, the creator mindset. It's it's about being creative without leaving the analytical side out of it and vice versa. So I really think you're going to enjoy this if you've ever had trouble being creative when you're mostly analytical or being analytical when you're mostly creative. This is about using your whole brain. So I'll just get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Nir Bashan. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show Nir Bashan. Nir, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. So, man, we, we're going to touch on some stuff here that, uh, you know, we, we've talked about periodically throughout the course of this show but specifically, we're going to talk creativity, but I think we're going to talk about it from a different angle because you've got this brand new book out called The Creator Mindset, 92 Tools to Unlock the Secrets of Innovation, Growth, and Sustainability. And you know, for me, going through the book, one, I love diving into creativity, but you're, you're approaching it from not the normal angle that, that people typically talk about creativity. You're talking about making creativity an everyday thing in companies, in the workplace, in our workflow even. And so I'm curious how you landed upon you know, this idea of integrating creativity into the workspace. Yeah, yeah, totally. And thanks for reading it, Eric. I, you know, I cannot... Thank you enough for, for going through it. I'm still very, very much touched by people going through and picking up a copy and buying it. I get emails from all over the world. And, you know, every time I get an email, it's like a little treat, you know, it just, it's just, it, it inspires me so much to see that people are getting good value out of the book. And I appreciate you reading it. This book came from really a lifetime of trying to figure out how to do better in business at work through my careers. And later when I started to run and own my own companies, how do I keep improving? How do I keep, you know, innovating? How do I keep coming up with different, fresh, new ideas that would carry me to the next level and the next phase of my business or my career? And this book was born out of that. I started my career, you know, at 14 or actually even earlier, I was, I was nine years old going door to door washing cars in Los Angeles. And that was a pretty awful experience, right? Because 
you know, the eighties and, you know, most people didn't want their, uh, fresh brand new 1981 Pontiac 6,000 washed by like, you know, a, a nine-year-old kid asking for keys, right? Like nobody wants that. They were like, yeah, no. And so I ended up learning that I had to get creative in order to make that sale and in order to grow my nine-year-old business, right? And so I ended up washing trash cans and doing all of this stuff that was you know, what needed to get done, what I was putting out in the marketplace was not what the market wanted to consume. They didn't want car washes from a nine-year-old. They wanted a nine-year-old to sweep their front porch and, you know, pick up crap that's on their lawn that they didn't want to pick up. And, you know, all of these sort of things. So my business merged into cleaning and that sort of thing. And I learned how to do that in order to make money. So you know, fast forward to later in life, I worked in Hollywood, I worked in the music business, and I would see all of these celebrities and and music stars show up with a predictable and repeatable sense of creativity, right? What we think of as creativity in our mind's eye is always like, oh, you know, this person is inspired. Wow. They're divinely and they're so much better than we are. Oh, you know, wow. This celebrity is, you know, oozing creativity. But what I found after working in Hollywood and working in music is that it's absolutely not true. What we have here is a process And these people are following a predictable, regular, regimented process in order to get creative. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I had a business where I had a a furniture refinishing business for a while, totally not creative, but I started to use creative tools to excel and and do better in that business. And fast forward to today, I own a a consultancy, you know, with uh, three small but mighty employees and, and we practice creativity as a regular basis every day. And what I want your listeners to understand is that creativity is not just the realm of a few chosen people. Everybody Every man and woman on earth has the ability to become and to embed creativity in everything they do. We just need to learn how. And that's why I wrote the book, The Creator Mindset. So if I'm hearing you right, you're really stating that it's not a select few inspired geniuses that can just run with creativity. That in fact, as you state in the book, everything that has to do with the creative process or creativity can be learned and implemented by people who think they're not creative. Absolutely. And that is where I do the bulk of my life's work, right? I work a lot with financial groups. I work a lot with the real estate groups. And time and time again, people tell me near, you know, I love Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, you know, or or whomever their particular hero is, but I could never be as creative as that person. I could never be, you know, Susan Nabby of, of Cody. I can never be her. She's super amazing. And she's constantly coming up with ideas and brilliantly leading and, and changing and innovating her company. And I can never be that person. And I say, well, why not? And people are always like, because she has a gift or, you know, Elon Musk, he has a gift and and this and that. And I'm like, well, their gift is that they're able to be in touch with something that we've all traded away, but you can learn how to get it back and you can learn how to spark that creativity and rehash that sort of childhood wonder in order to be able to solve problems at work today. And usually when I say that, people want to learn more. Yeah, I think for a lot of people out there that even if they are creative and they've sort of learned this, whether they've decided to learn it intentionally or they've picked it up as they've gone along, 
Or if they're not thinking that they're creative, though, they still, when it comes to business or productivity, come from that left side of the brain instead of the the right side of the brain. And, you know, and you're talking about bridging the gap between the two hemispheres of the brain, using them together. Yeah, you bet. So using the the logic and the creative part together is the secret, right? A lot of people say, "Yeah, this is great. You know, I just want to be fully creative now." Well, the problem with that is that, you know, we all have that friend that lives in their parents' basement, right? And they're 45 and they haven't moved out yet. It's like great. They're, they're really creative, but they're not getting anywhere. And then you and I both have those friends that are really analytical, but they're miserable, right? Yeah. They might have a nice house and a nice car and all that stuff, but they're incredibly miserable because they're not really living up to their potential. So I am not saying to abandon one or the other. I'm saying to merge the two into this supercomputer that your brain is able to work as. But sadly, Eric, most of us don't do that. And it's, it's horrible. What ends up happening is we're either the far majority of us are analytical. A few of us are creative, the Susan Abbeys and the Elon Musk of the world, right? And so what we end up having is a society that hasn't reached its goals. It hasn't reached its proper human evolution, right? So what we have is is stuff that is just, you know, kind of not good enough, right? You know, in aviation, we fly on the 737 plane, which was invented almost now 50 years ago. There are innovations that enable quicker air flight, better routing through the sky, you know, better approaches to a runway that'll cut, a, you know, a New York to L.A. journey down to like two and a half hours. The technology is out there and all that stuff, but we're not doing it. Why? It's because we're, we've settled on what's comfortable for us. Well, you know, if it ain't broke, well, then why why change it and why fix it? But what we're missing here is the amazing and wonderful capacity of humanity to elevate the human condition. And that for me, the shame, and that is what I've spent my life trying to change. The understanding that your product or service or your business is really important, no matter what it is that you do and elevating it to encompass creativity and analytics together in a super combination is required. I I don't think it's just required for your job or your career or your particular business. I think it's required to evolve humanity. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch-your-own-shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond here's the thing i think that again for most people they, they may feel stuck or they may feel like they've they've lacked the internal or even external permission to be creative which i think you're stating no you have that go ahead and do it but then they would still feel like well i don't know how to get started in terms of again bridging that gap between left brain and right brain what's a good starting point here for somebody who accepts that, no, you know what, I'm going to take ownership of, yes, I will be creative. I want to try to start doing that. What are some of the tools or principles or or practices that people can get started with to start to gain momentum in bridging that gap and becoming or accepting creativity? So I have several tools that help. There's 92 of them in the book. But the one that I like the best is really starting to write stuff down. When you write stuff down, you enable different portion of the mind to take over and your precious ideas and stuff like that don't become that precious anymore because you're able to write them down and and kind of separate them from being inside your head and, and into something tangible and apparent. The other thing that I really like that people can do today is to define the concept, the idea, and the execution of their career, product, service, whatever. The concept is the biggest way to look at it. The idea is the mid-level view, and the execution is where we spend most of our time. That's the laser-focused part of our of our job. But if we're able to grab a sheet of paper and write down all three different implementations of our product, service, or our careers, then we're able to find and make creativity happen whenever it is that we want to do it. And just the act of setting those three parameters up on a sheet of paper enables you to start to make creativity happen. Now, it's not about getting inspired. It's not about, you know, uh, jogging for six hours and then, you know, coming up with an idea because you've cleared your head. I mean, if that's working for you, then that's fine. But we need a repeatable, quick, easy way to become creative. And that concept, idea, and execution, once you write it down, enables you to make ideas stat. I mean, just right away, boom. And then you're able to take a couple of ideas and then use them in the next Zoom meeting or or go to or whatever it is that we're on all day today. It's a way to practice and manufacture creativity. And by the way, this is what some of the you know, greatest creative leaders of our time uh, that we all respect and love. This is exactly what they do. They have a process. This is what the Hollywood stars do. This is what the music stars do. This is how they come up with ideas. Yeah. 
So it's not even just generating the ideas, but then starting to act on them, right? Because that's, you know, for me, I have heard, and I'd love to get your definition of the word creativity here in a second, but what I've heard is that creativity is really problem solving, but I don't know if it's just that. I think it's maybe identifying the problem first as well, but then coming up with solutions to the problem. Yeah, definitely. So for me, creativity is the ability to solve a problem in a way that has not existed before. That's what the definition of creativity is for me. And when you apply that at work, it is, you know, listen, we're in a, we're in a bad cash flow situation. You know, we might have to lay some people off. 99% of people would go to the analytic tools, right? Which is restructuring, which is just a fancy way of saying we're going to fire people. You know, we're going to uh, do, you know, some, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, payroll cuts or, you know, we're going to kill some of the benefits or however it is. You know, all those things are analytic. But when we're able to solve problems creatively, we're able to make a real difference, right? We're going to say, okay, those are the, the time tried true sort of approaches to this problem. Why don't we look at it differently? And why don't we, you know, run a concept, an idea and execution on this particular problem? And then try to reimagine this problem as it can be, not as it is. And that's that's what really, really separates creativity at work from other types of music creativity or art or something like that. Being able to imagine what a problem can be rather than what it is, is really the secret to solving it creatively. And for a lot of people out there, again, they they have this old mindset of what being a creative or what creativity means. And they go to that, you know, oh, I'm not an artist. I'm not somebody who's based in artistic expression of some sort. But what they fail to then realize is that by doing this creative problem solving, by, by creating a solution that's never been done before, they are doing, in effect, creative expression. 100%. Absolutely. And this is an important thing. And this is what we need more of in the world. You know, we need more people to come up with creative solutions so that our lives get better. I'll go back to the airline example, right? You might say to me, Nir, what's the point? I mean, you know, you can get in LA, New York, it's five hours. Why would you want to shorten that time? And I tell you, well, you know, maybe there's a sick person, God forbid, on that flight. And, you know, uh, those five hours uh, that they've spent on the airplane going to see their relative, you know, maybe a shorter flight, they could have spent more time with them. Is that an important goal? for us to work on. And, you know, that that depends on who you are as a person and what your company is doing, right? Because creativity is innate. It's in our DNA. And the way that I practice creativity is not going to be the same way that you, Eric, practice creativity or that your listeners do it. It depends on what your values are and what your, your moral compass kind of guides you to do. But I can come up with a list of a hundred different reasons why it would be better for society for a flight to be half as long from LA to New York and why that investment is critical, not only for a particular company's market advantage or profitability or, you know, really a revenue, which is, you know, 
churning as much revenue into profit as humanly possible, why those things are important. But, you know, those things need to come from the brand itself, from the person in their career themselves. They need to be able to be empowered in such a way to say, this is important. This is what we need to be doing. This is how we leave our mark. Listen, most of us spend our life, Eric, working in some job, right? We work there 30, 40 years. We switch careers around. You know, we retire and we die. That's it. I know it's depressing, but that's it. And we have an ability, though, during our careers and during our lifespan to actually do something cool and different and special. And I'm not saying that, you know, everything that you do at work is going to be special or whatever. And, you know, you're listening to me and you're saying, Mir, that's cool, man, but I'm a dry cleaner. Like, I don't work at NASA. I don't do anything important. I clean people's clothes. And that's what I do. And that's my contribution. And I say to that, well, you know, how how about the confidence that you instill into somebody who's, you know, putting on your clothes and going to a meeting? And that, you know, meeting is, I don't know, to lessen climate change or, you know, help uh, somebody, uh, you know, it's a doctor that, that helps cure some kid. You know, you don't know. There is not a direct relationship when you look at things creatively between your product and service and helping humanity, right? But that dry cleaner who goes, you know what? I'm going to do an a la carte. Because every dry cleaner charges, you know, uh, $10 for a top and $15 for a skirt. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do a la carte, $30 a month or $40 a month, all in. You can bring as many clothes as you want. I'm going to get really creative about it. And then that person who sets up that type of billing model attracts a certain kind of person who's going to go, you know what? Whether I take 10 shirts in or 100 shirts in, it's one price. I'm in right? I love it. They sign up, they bring their shirts in and that shirt makes somebody feel, or that dry cleaning service makes somebody feel particularly smart, particularly good that day, particularly able to solve a problem. And the amount of lives that you've touched by having a creative output of your service or your product or your career can last a lifetime. And that is what we need to be focusing on in our day-to-day. Those are the touch points that really change humanity and elevate the ability of us to uh, evolve as a species. And, And these are the things that creativity enables. I know that you talk about creativity in the form of a a trinity, and you even have these three cornerstones, if you will, of creativity for business being humor, empathy, and courage. I'm curious why those three things uh, are are that trinity or, or those cornerstones. So I, you know, I've spent a long time figuring this stuff out, right? And Humor enables you to look at a problem in a different way. It doesn't really have to be funny all the time, but what humor does and the way that humor works is it an instant look at something that occurs in a different way. And when you're able to look at something that occurs in a different way, you are being creative. And humor is a easily obtainable outlook that people can employ quite easily to look at a situation or a problem in a different way. Empathy is incredibly important because once we're able to really look and feel and be in somebody else's shoes, we're able to get out of our own heads for a minute, right? And if we're able to get out of our own heads for a minute, Eric, we can then solve problems in a different way. 
Finally, you got to have the courage to take the leap of faith on this stuff, right? Creativity is not easy. It's not easy for that dry cleaner to go, you know what? I'm going to abandon my $10, $15 model and go a la carte because I might lose money and they're damn right. They might lose money because what will happen is 80% of the time they'll make money, but 20% of their customers will come in every day and they'll lose money on that account. They won't make money on the $40 a la carte a month or $60 a la carte a month. They'll lose money because that person will take advantage of it. Right. But at a certain point, you got to say to yourself, you know what? Even if I do an 80-20 thing where, you know, 80% of the time I make money and 20% of the time I lose money, you know, it's worthwhile for the business. Why? Because it is creative. Why? Because it's innovative. Why? Because people who sign up for, you know, the a la carte tend to be customers for 10 months. And people who do, you know, the the all-in tend to be customers for 18 months. And 18 months is what I'd rather do because I've done the math. Again, it's not about throwing away analytic. I've done the math. And okay, cool. That customer's, you know, 2.3 times more valuable than the a la carte customer. Boom. I'm okay taking the 20% loss on the guy coming in every day with a shirt, but you know, in the long run, that makes a better sense. It's, it's that kind of mentality and that kind of courage that we need in order to innovate. And, and, you know, I'm talking about a dry cleaner here, but we can easily be talking about a person curing cancer as well. They need to have the courage to take a crazy idea of, Oh, I don't know a Zika virus from a mosquito and applying that to a particular type of childhood cancer and, you know, curing it. We need people to have those types of ideas, those types of creative ideas and have the courage in order to get them out into the marketplace. If I'm hearing you right, these these three different modes, although probably there's some crossover between all three of them and really using all of them at once could be really helpful. But from, from what I'm analyzing here, from what I'm hearing you say is, you know, humor is you getting outside of your own normal, you know, stodgy view. Empathy is is taking on you know, in other words, it's literally empathizing with somebody else and getting in their shoes and, and encourages risk taking. And that all three of these things, you know, in various percentages, but again, all three put together, get you into that, again, mindset of finding a way to do something or in better words, finding a solution, like you were saying, to a problem that's never been done before. Correct. Exactly right. And, and they're not that hard. You know, everything I talk about in the book, Eric, is free. It, it, it really is. It, it's free. Um, you don't have to buy a piece of machinery and that sort of thing, but you have to actively change your mindset <laughs> when it comes to looking at problems. And, and, you know, my method is not a get rich quick thing. It, it's really a get rich slow scheme, right? Really slow. And one foot in front of the other, making better and better choices every day to allow you to make creative, innovative, and new solutions to problems that exist today and don't exist yet. You know, it's really all about a measured and careful approach into what may or may not come up in your business. I think one of the other things that I'm hearing is is that we've just got to start getting out of the regular routine or the regular tools that we're using. I know that you talk about putting limits on technology so that our creativity has a chance to to bloom and to grow. Yes, limiting technology is really important to 
maximizing creativity. A lot of these tools that we have today, we've fallen in love with, right? We think, oh, you know, this app is going to solve every problem that I've ever had. And they don't, they don't solve anything. You know, they, they're simply, you know, maybe a streamlined approach to how you would work. But I don't know if you've done a lot of work in technology as I have, you'll find that, you know, some of these apps that are productivity apps or whatever, they force you to work the way that they want you to work. They don't work the way that you want them to work. Look at a, an average CRM, you know, CRM satisfaction scores are some of the lowest of any piece of software. They're supposed to make your life easier, but most people I know hate them. Then they make people's life harder because they force you to work in a rubric of some developer's mindset. So, I think what we need to do is step back from technology, shut off our phones once in a while. I'm terrible at this. I'm like the dentist with bad teeth, Eric. But like, I really think that, you know, the more that we do of this, the more creativity will emerge. Yeah, I think that for me, and this even goes back to you were talking earlier about writing things down for me going in, you know, as as much as is humanly possible or duplicating this at home. Sitting down with a cup of coffee in a coffee shop or, again, outside or somewhere where it's nice, having a pad of paper and not having technology with you and just starting to work on something analog mode for a while starts to get my juices flowing. Yes. Old school stuff is really good. In-person stuff is really good. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're recording this show on April 8th, 2021. And yeah, I know that what's going on in the world, but anytime, you know, when it's safe and that kind of thing, anytime we can do stuff in person, attention spans these days are insanely bad, right? Everybody's, you know, doing this and that and on the phone and in a meeting at the same time while, you know, sending off an email and trying to listen here and multitasking and all this stuff. It's just a myth. None of it works. None of it works. Multitasking is like the biggest sham ever. Multitasking doesn't work. The the ability of humanity to walk and chew gum. Yeah, that's there. Uh, you know, you could drive a car and listen to the radio, but you cannot execute high level thinking by doing two things at the same time. I mean, walking and chewing gum is, is almost an automatic thing, but you know, listening to this podcast and sending out an email for work ain't going to happen. So I recommend you stop and you focus, you focus on the things that are most important to you. And when you're able to do that, you're going to allow a certain type of creativity to emerge just by saying, you know what, multitasking is not working and I'm going to pick and choose throughout my day what I need to focus my attention on. If you don't schedule and you don't pick and choose your day, somebody else will do it for you. I've worked at a lot of places and now, you know, having my own company, I see that happening, you know, pretty much every day. If I don't block out time for what I need to do, somebody else will fill it in. And so what I recommend is, you know, starting to own that process within your day-to-day life of saying, you know what, the technology needs to be limited. I need to step back from this. I need me time for an hour here. I need me time for an hour there and start scheduling this stuff and focusing when you need to focus and relaxing when you need to relax. Well, and the other key piece there about blocking that time out is then you're, one, calendaring it, for lack of a better term, for yourself. You're having a meeting with yourself for a specific reason, but that also means you get to block off or put up the barriers there of entering into that time by putting on Do Not Disturb and getting into a, a workspace that can 
be conducive to creativity. In other words, there's not distractions coming up or whatever. Although I will, I will say sometimes when I want to get creative, like I said, with the analog mode, I'll be at a coffee shop if possible. And there is distraction, but it's not distraction. It's almost someone like me who's got ADHD and has learned to live with that knows that having that ambiance and even other people around me, my brain will then get distracted in a good way, blocking that out so that the right part of my brain to do the work and sit and be creative can actually do that. Yeah. Again, every manifestation and creativity is different. It's different for every person on earth. Why? It's because it it is intricately and innately woven into the fabric of who we are, right? 65, 70,000 years ago, the first creative idea was born by a woman named Harriet, who was being attacked by a beast. You know, the beast was far larger and far stronger than us. And it had, you know, big fangs and like clawed the size of a school bus. I don't know. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but huge claws. And, you know, they were faster and stronger than we were. But Harriet saw a stick that was nothing but a walking stick. She saw a berry picker that was nothing but, you know, something to get berries off the bushes. She put the two together and made the world's first spear. And that spear was able to stave off the beast. And here we are in 2021, you know, with the gifts of creativity, having influenced our our life to literally make us survive to this day. And so because that creativity comes from who we are as children, we were all born creative and we lose it as we get older. You know, if you go to a coffee shop and that distraction somehow helped you do it more and more and more, because that was, is what will help you become, you know, creative. And so different people will practice it in a different way. As long as you're practicing it, we're in good shape. Well, I think that's the key there is it's going to be different for everybody, but the principles here are possible to learn. And honestly, we've only scratched the surface. There are 92 tools to unlock creativity from this book. And I would love to start pointing people to where they can find it. Is there any best place that you have set up where people can get a deeper and or more comprehensive taste of what's in the book? Yeah. So we have a website. It's thecreatormindset.com. You can go there, download a free chapter, which is always fun. The book's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. If you want to put on a mask and go, it's in uh, just about every Barnes and Noble in the U.S. and other bookstores, independent bookstores, stuff like that. It's a McGraw-Hill business release. I would love for you to check us out online. My name is nearbashan.com. It's my name.com. It's really easy. I would love to uh, hear from your listeners and you know, see what they think of the book. Awesome. Near, I will make sure to link up to everything in the show notes for this episode. And thank you so much for sharing today. Eric, an absolute pleasure. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Nir Bashan. I hope that you found it useful to crack through some of those roadblocks and hindrances you may have when it comes to being creative and or using your whole brain to solve problems. If you enjoyed this conversation, I would love for you to do me the favor of sharing this episode with somebody you know needs to hear it. You can do that by hitting the share button in your podcast player app of choice, wherever you're listening to this, or hit the share button over on the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com. That would really help me out sharing the show. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next episode.